20% of our resources would go to content creation. 80% would go to content promotion, mm, which is yeah. the exact same or exact reverse, I would say, ratio of resources that most companies spend. They normally spend 80 something percent or 100% of the resources right. in content creation and sort of miss out on the promotion aspect. And again, remembering that promotion isn't to run ads, isn't to you know, post it on social media, and it's not just to send it to your newsletter. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Hey, budding entrepreneurs and content creators. It's Chris Counter again. We're talking with experts podcast. We have an expert lined up this week who is absolutely amazing and really detailed and you're going to love him. He was the first marketing hire at Visme and has moved up the ranks now to become the director of marketing. In the last few years, he's been building behind the scenes Responder, which is a digital PR and link building software, which we're going to go into in a little bit more detail soon. He's going to be sharing how Visme and Responder create content that ranks on Google in the top in the top one percent, and how he is using that to mimic the success with Vis- with Responder. What's exciting about both Visme and Responder is that they are self-funded and bootstrapped, meaning they don't rely on extra capital for growth. They've built a high level of success and excelled at content creation and content promotion. And there's a big difference there that Farzad is going to share. Um, later. Farzad is going to cover both technical and practical advice, the history and the theory behind everything they do at Visme and Responder. We're going to talk about uh, producing quality content, gaining topical authority, what link building and site structure actually means. And at the end, Farzad is going to share the exact way to find out what Visme's full marketing strategy is. So Farzad, thank you for joining me this week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chris, for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of AppSumo, and uh, you know, I know you work with the team, and and yeah, I know Noah. I think we ch- chatted a couple of times over email, and we were actually Visme was on AppSumo back in, in 2017, I guess. We had a launch over there, yeah. So, and and then we also launched another ebook back in uh, 2019 with you folks. So yeah, we're we're, we're uh, big fans, and and uh, and and I'm glad that we were doing this. Now, just for folks who haven't heard of Visme or Respana, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, I joined Visme as the first marketing hire. Visme is a, um, I would say, an all-in-one brand content creation platform for businesses. So if you have a business, you normally have a brand guideline, and you create all sorts of content. So Visme is sort of a a drag and drop, easy to use platform that anybody in your organization can use to sort of create, uh, you know, quality on brand pieces of content in a in, in a matter of a few minutes. And uh, and Visme, the price point is, uh, and obviously when when I joined the company it was still in beta. It was a tiny little startup. We're just starting out, and and we actually did launch on AppSumo back in 2017. We got I think our we got 
well, it wasn't our first paying customers, but back in the day was, is, uh, I think we brought in like three, 4,000, uh, uh, users from AppSumo, which is great. Yeah, I think it was 3k. And, uh, and then basically after that, we, uh, sort of pushed a gas pedal on our marketing efforts and, uh, starting out by creating lots of quality content on our blog and, and, you know, grew our organic traffic. Now, Bizme's got over 12 million active users. We're getting about a couple, uh, about 2 million organic visitors to our site every month. And, uh, and that whole journey, um, was basically, uh, was what led us to the creation of Respana, which is sort of the, uh, the internal software we developed at Bizme to help us sort of with scaling our outreach efforts in terms of content promotion, building backlinks to our website to increase mm-hmm. our organic traffic. And, and and it just worked very well. And we decided to release it as a standalone product, and hence why we are here. Great. And is Responder currently in beta? Because I've been listening to conversations from 2020. Is it now fully um Alpha. <laughs> yes. So we actually launched Responder 1.0 yesterday. So <laughs> this is perfect yes. timing. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, hopefully by the time folks listen to this interview, um, yeah, so we, we we have a rebrand and then and a new website, etc., going live next week. So, but but the platform itself, we we migrate everyone over. So yes, we're very excited. It was something that we kept in beta for about a couple of years. We do tend to stay in beta for a long time. Uh, Vizme also took, I think five years in beta <laughs> before we released the because um, um, my, my business partner and I, Payman, are very picky over the quality of our products. So though, if, we, if we call it 1.0 versions, it better works very well. So that's why we, we sort of took, uh, took our time uh, with development. But but yes, yeah, so Respondent 1.0 is sort of the foundation for the next phase of product uh, that we're working on. So we're going to be popping features out every two weeks. Um, and we've got a roadmap for the next 12 months, and hopefully by the end of the roadmap, we'll be the number one link building software. And, and, and I think and, so. <laughs> I think so. By, by the sounds of it, people that have been on the podcast, uh, the majority of them have been publishers or um, influencers, and, and they've liked uh, the platform that you've, that you've got. But I know when you mentioned on one of the one of the interviews you mentioned that not everybody is uh at the right stage of their business to start a link building strategy that's right could, could you explain why why that is yeah yeah absolutely so content marketing in general it is a a cookie got a way of um a lot of people let me put it this way a lot of businesses they feel the obligation to start doing content and start a blog and Put some content out just to kind of check that check mark of having a blog in their site, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's fine, you know. But 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 problem is, it is normally a waste of money on, unless you do it right. So it's it's quite a puzzle, I would say, in a way, uh, where the way you go about building a website, uh, and, and it's quite resource intensive. You know, we can downplay it as much as we like, but uh, matter of fact, is that it is somewhat of a competitive advantage. So it is supposed to be difficult. It's not supposed to be an easy thing to do. So I, I think ideally, before you even start doing this, before you start, you know, hiring writers, editors, SEO people, and start doing link building, first have to understand whether it's the right fit for your business, whether that's mm-hmm. something that matches your business model. So a lot of businesses, like for example, if you're in a B two B enterprise, like very high price point, like six figures a year plus price point, you're Potential customers aren't probably just Googling. 
right? Uh, to find a solution like you. Uh, it, is, it, it is quite a game of uh, rela- relationship building and, and sort of cold outreach and et cetera. Um, again, I'm, I'm not very experienced in that front. So I'm sure there's tons of different ways you can get you know, 100K plus enterprise clients. We do have some on the business side, but again, that comes through our inbound channels. Um, as far as the, the other side of things go, like paid ads, like if you have a commerce product that your your uh, entire business model is based on Facebook ads, et cetera, mm-hmm. probably doesn't make much sense to start focusing on SEO, especially if you're in a you know a very competitive market, like if you if you're selling fidget spinners, right? So um, what I'm trying to say is that first identify what, what how potential customers of your find a solution uh, that that solves a problem. And and see where they're hanging out, where they're doing their research. If they're Googling and, and I understand, okay, here are the solutions that are on the market. I need to do some digging and find one. Then great. Then SEO is probably worth the time. But if, if nobody's looking for a solution like you on, on search engines mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're better off sort of sticking with some other, uh, you know, marketing channels. But... Matter of fact, is majority of the business that businesses that I know, uh, SEO works pretty well because guess what? If you have any sort of problem, normally people the first step they yes, take is to just pull out Google and start googling stuff. So, understanding that customer journey and mapping that out and on, uh, creating pieces of content that could be a sales page, that could be a blog post, could be a YouTube video, catering to specific stages of your customer mm-hmm. journey. Uh, something that I've never seen any other channel uh, doing more wonders than that. So that ROI on, on your SEO channels are, are fantastic, given that that's that's the right channel for your business. Uh, and in your notes, you mentioned about the content funnel. Uh, can mm-hmm. you maybe go into a little bit more de- detail about what goes into that funnel? And That's right. Yeah, so I have a very simple process of... Uh, building and structuring a website to get organic traffic. And that's by three pillars. One is building the right site structure. Two is building the right pieces of content. And three is content promotion, right? And so so site structure is quite simple. Basically, uh, you want to pick a few parent keywords. Any business has its own parent keywords, right? So as an example, for example, Respana, we're in the content promotion or SEO or link building groups. So link building for us is a parent keyword. We also target digital PR, et cetera. So there's a handful of keywords that defines the core business. Uh, now, once we have those, then we take each one and basically build a sales page around it. So for, for example, since we are a software product, we build a landing page called Link building software. For Vizme, it's presentation software, right? If you sell plumbing services, probably like plumbing services in Washington, D.C., etc. So you basically build landing pages for each one. Now, what you want to do is to create topical authority and in the eyes of Google, meaning that you just imply that, hey, I'm an authoritative figure in this particular space. So you create silos of content, which is just a fancy word for saying just create a category of content for each one of these parent keywords. And then as you and, and then there's a process of content creation, which I'm going to go through shortly. Basically, what happens is that once you start creating pieces of content, you're also interlinking between each one to the main mm-hmm. sales page. And then over time, now once you get to the third pillar, which is content promotion, as you're building pieces of content and linking to that sales page, and then you go build backlinks to this blog post that sort of put pu- pu- put some fuel behind the yeah. fire. It's and I know like a layer. Probably. There you go. Absolutely. So it's like a tree, basically. And, and 
And you say you start carrying keywords, you create sales pages for each one, create pieces of content around it. And then that's a very simple way of putting the site structure. Normally, it's more than enough for 99.9% of businesses. Now, obviously, VizMe, you know, there's there's a lot of more a lot more bells and whistles <laughs> involved, but that that's pretty much the gist of it. Now, the content creation aspect, you're like, okay, so I built the right size structure, I got the categories and silos down. Uh, what do we do next? What do I start creating? Right? You can't just like, so a lot of people just come up with stuff and they're like, all right, let's write a content about this. Right. And yeah. then they, they just pay some writer on Fiverr to put together a piece of content, slap it on a website, and it just gets zero traffic. So, <laughs> so the way you want to go and, and uh, identify content uh, it, or content pieces that are actually worth writing. A is by first doing some research to understand uh, what are some of the content pieces that people are actively searching for. So it gets a good amount of search volume. Two, if they have any commercial intent. So you're not just writing any piece of content about anything, right? So it's stuff that actually has some sort of commercial value. The way we measure that is by um, understanding the CPC or the cost per click for that keyword. Because if other advertisers are paying for a keyword, that's a signal for us that, okay, this keyword must be valuable for them because obviously they're making money out of it, right? And, and, and how the third, do they, oh, sorry. And how, on that, the intent, how do you find that out? Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to get there here in oh, a sorry. second. <laughs> 30 more seconds. You got it. Uh, so, and the third one is competitiveness. All right. So there are a lot of keywords. I get a lot of volume. I have a lot of commercial intent. doesn't mean you can c- compete for all of them because they may be dominated by Google, Apple, and 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 HubSpot. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult to, to uh, get rankings for that. So, Understanding all three once they overlap, so low competitiveness, high commercial intent, and high volume, that, that, that middle ground is what we call the opportunity keywords. So first, our job is to understand what are these opportunity keywords and extract them. Now, to answer your question, Chris, that all sounds great. <laughs> How in the world do you go about finding these? Now, the process, I actually have step-by-step processes and, 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 and screenshots and all that good stuff in the little ebook I wrote. Uh, at VizMe, so if folks want to Google VizMe marketing strategy, that's normally a good way to sort of, it's a free book, you don't have to pay for it. It's just, I outlined our whole marketing and content creation process from A to Z. But basically, put in short, I use tools like SHRefs or SEMrush. Have you heard of them before, Chris? Yes, yes. I've awesome. used, yeah. I've, I've looked at, I've, I've used my domain and had a look, but mine's i don't have any authority i don't think when it comes to podcasts so working on it that's okay that's all good yeah again it doesn't matter as i just mentioned not every website needs to get a lot of organic traffic because that's not how you acquire customers right you get listeners on spotify and itunes not through google because people aren't actively searching for podcast episodes on Mm -hmm. google normally um, maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so as far as these um, keywords go, what we do is that we, we use one of these tools, um, like, for example, Ahrefs or SEMrush. We run that parent keyword through it. So, for example, link building. Mm-hmm. We run through, or let me pick a more common example, like presentations for Visme. So we run that through Ahrefs, and it, and it pops out a gazillion long-tail variations of that keyword of other long uh, other questions that people are actively searching for mm-hmm. and it gives us metrics for all three uh, uh metrics that i mentioned so it gives us the search volume gives us how competitive it is and it's a metric called keyword difficulty and it also gives us the cost per click so it's just a matter of putting this in a little mathematical equation to prioritize and we create what we call the opportunity score which is just a combination of all three to 
help us prioritize through that gazillion keywords. And, and, and I, because obviously we have limited resources. So we want to make sure that we prioritize keywords that, again, have high volume, high commercial intent, and low competitiveness. Yeah. And then once we extract these keywords now, it's a matter of understanding what's the user intent behind each one. So doesn't mean you should just send it to your writing team and just get them to create blog posts for every single one, right? Uh, because for example, if I'm, if I run a cooking blog and, or a cooking website and I'm, and I want to, for example, write about like, like, gosh, like how to make a steak, right? Or, or <laughs> how to grill my steak. There you go. So like <laughs> grilling steak, it probably is better put in a YouTube video. So what we do then is to run every single keyword through Google and, and see what's the majority of the top 10 search results. Like what's the format? Is it, a, is, a, is it dominated by videos? Is it dominated by images? Is it dominated by how-to guides or sales pages or, or listicles, right? So understanding what's the user intent because Google uh, is running millions of these tests every single day and want to make sure that we understand what is what it is that people are actually looking for. And then we we, we inspire from that format. So, okay, we know that we need to create a how-to guide on, for example, yeah. how to create a presentation. Okay, great. Now, there's a few other steps. I don't want to dive into the details, but understanding, okay, now that we know we need to create a how-to guide, what are some of the questions we need to answer? To get it a little deeper into the keywords we need to include and, and, the, um, um, and the questions we need to answer. And we create what we call a a content brief and that basically is just telling our writer okay here's the main topic here's the questions you need to answer and that's it <laughs> and then let the writer actually go do their own research and write from their heart right so uh, we, we have network writers each one is good at at something right so if, if they're good at paid ads or like okay great you do this or if they're good at design I'm like okay write about design uh, stuff that they're actually um, knowledgeable about right not yeah. not uh, jack of all trades writers yeah and then once we have a content piece and again the process of content creation for us is actually not seo focused at all it's mainly user focused now we know that so the the scientific part of it is all at the top where we're trying to understand what to write about but then once we know then we just focus on the quality of the content we're like okay great now just don't forget about search engines just focus on what the user would want to learn from this content piece if they land on it right <laughs> and then once that content gets created then that is our content creation process and that we have a right site structure, right? Going back to my three points, we have the right content pieces on our site. Now that's normally where people pull the brakes and you're like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> that that it, was it a lot of work. too complicated. That's right. Yeah. So they put the, put the blog post on their blog and they send it to the newsletter and, and put it on their Facebook uh, and Facebook group and share it on LinkedIn. And they're like, okay, this is done. Problem is, that's what everybody does. <laughs> so what yeah, happens? How, how do you stay competitive? Yeah, exactly. Because like nowadays, everybody's investing in content. Not everyone, but majority of companies that are focused on SEO, they're producing tons and tons of content. Most of them are good. I mean, if you run in a keyword through Google, it probably brings like at least 100 million search results. And if you're in the top 1%, that puts you at the millionth rank. <laughs> so... So now the problem is, how do you go from the millionth rank to the top 10 where, you know, 99 point something of percent is. of clicks? Exactly. Well, I mean, nobody really goes to page two. Every, everything you, you need is on page one. So how in the world do you get yourself in the top 10? 
And that's where content promotion comes in, which is the most excruciating, difficult process of, of SEO. That's what nobody does. I actually read a survey today. It's interesting, Chris. 66% or so of SEO agencies don't touch link billing. They, just, they don't do any promotion. They're like, okay, we, we did your site audit and here's some content and you do you now. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's, 91. Where, that's where the response stands out. This right, is so that's a place. Exactly. Over 90% of content on the internet gets zero traffic from Google. So to be on the top 10% to actually get some level of traffic, uh, you need to do what we call outreach in terms of building backlinks. Now, mm. we got to be very careful here. Building links over the years has become a, um, there, there's a ton of negative connotation mm-hmm. attached to that word. Because a lot of people have used a ton of shady techniques, like going and buy a bunch of backlinks or, um, you know, you using these private blogger networks and, and doing a ton of shady stuff they're not supposed to do. And that's what the term, they sort of wound the term link building as and they sort of define as a process of spamming the world. And I'm sure you get these emails every day. Hi, Chris, yep. can I, or, or hi, sir, can I publish a guest post on your website? <laughs> and, and I'll pay you this, right? So mm. Google over the years has become extremely smart. And it's actually funny uh, because one of our customers that responded is actually an ex-Google employee uh, who is now running his own startup. And, and, and he was actually in the quality assurance team at uh, Google. And he was explaining to me, he was like, yes, we've become very smart over the years uh, to identify what are some of these links that are actually done naturally and that are contextual, editorial from relevant authoritative websites. Not all links are created equal, right? Majority of the links we actually get are nullified. We don't actually even consider them useful. So, so the process of convincing other relevant authoritative sources in your space to to mention you and link back to you because the way search engines work is, is sort of a popularity contest we're like okay we got to meet out of this hundred million search results a million of them are pretty good these are the top one percent cream on the crop content now in order to rank them we need to see which one of these content pieces are the most popular which of these are most are people are mostly talking about, right? If they're, if they're referencing, they're similar to research articles, right? So the value of a research article is normally based on how many good citations they have, right? So this is a similar process here. For search engines is understanding, okay, if, if a blog post keeps getting repeatedly mentioned on under relevant channels, then this is like great news. It means that that, that person probably uh, knows what they're talking about. So let, let's try giving them a higher ranking. And then once you get there, then you're like, okay, great. So see how much time people spend on it, whether people bounce back and go and select another search results, right? So there's no good way around. So that's what I'm trying to say is that the sequence matters in, in building a good site structure because if you don't have quality content, even if you have a ton of backlinks, mm-hmm. even if you get top one, it'll just be the number one search result. If people don't like your content, spend don't, mm-hmm. enough time on it and don't engage with it enough, you're just going to get go down anyway. It doesn't matter how many legs you got. So that's why it's important to, you can't really miss it. It's all pieces of the puzzle that sort of go together, hand in hand. But anyway, so the the process of doing promotion and identifying, okay, now that we put out a piece of content, how in the world we're going to get other people to, to talk about this and link back yeah. to this and mention this. And that's sort of the, uh, sparked the idea of responding because we were some 
doing everything manually, duct taping a bunch of different tools, had a ton of data miners and a ton of manual labor. It was very expensive, very hard to scale. And we're like, well, we're a software company. <laughs> we, we actually tried to use other software products and none of it really matched what we needed. They were either like mass outreach tools or CRM tools, which wouldn't help with scaling. So finding a good balance in terms of personalization and scale uh, was something that sparked uh, the idea of creating our own internal software. And it just worked extremely well. Uh, we sort of 10x our productivity, whether it's 10x or 11x or 9x, I don't know. But we... we had quite a lot of success. Wow. Right. <laughs> I mean, the proof is in the numbers. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, but what I'm trying to say is that it helped us cut also around 80% of our average cost because we canceled a bunch of paid subscriptions, let go of most of our data mining team. And we're like, okay, guys, we got something here. Let's put this out as a standalone product. That's how Responda came to be as a baby product out of ISM. And uh, for those people that don't know, both were, both are bootstrap startups is that correct yes both are self-funded so bizme um was created by paymon uh paymon tai who's the ceo at bizme now and uh yes respond was sort of backed by bizme obviously we were an internal product and then sort of started investing more so yes yeah we never raised any any outside funding well so anybody else who has a SaaS and is on a bootstrap budget You've got hope because there's two success stories right in front of you. <laughs> so, so because I've been listening to you, you mentioned Google policy, and you know not paying people for um, backlinks. That's and right. And you also mentioned uh, you're you're really building relationships with people mm -hmm. to to get strong uh, strong relationships and. You you mentioned something like topical authority. That's right. Let, let, let's go back to the Google policy and, and what 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 shouldn't people do and what should people do to yeah. improve their rankings. That's right. So to answer that question, I need to give you a little bit of a history behind it all, uh, just to understand sort of why. Uh, and that's sort of important because I, I was chatting with another um a good friend of mine, and he was like, well, how do you know like Google a few years from now isn't going to change their algorithm, just like go and like focus on some other metric aside from backlinks uh, to rank content? And I was like, you know, that's a great question. The year was 1968. <laughs> 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 Maybe not that far back, but, if, you know, back in early 2000s, there were a ton of search engines and Google wasn't the product, predominant player. They didn't have monopoly over searches. There's AOL and Yahoo and Bing and all this other good stuff. And, and the way they sort of swept the market was by and building this. And because the way those search engines and Google at the time was working was based on keywords. So they were basically looking at this web page and they were indexing the whole web at the time it wasn't that big. And, and they were sort of looking at the content piece they're like, okay, what is the content on this page? And the way they were doing this was to sort of map the keywords, like each word, see how many times it was repeated. Like, okay, if it's the word like presentation is repeated here like 10 times, then probably it's about presentations. So like, yeah. and then, so what happened was that a lot of people started um, just keyword stuffing. They just stuck a bunch of keywords in there and then they, it helped because they, they started getting rankings. And then there wasn't really much of a better way to start getting 
pages ranked, especially in the mass amount of data when you're talking big data. So what Google did was to start with this algorithm called PageRank, which basically started um, to put value on references from other websites. And that's sort of how the core algorithm was built on top of backlinks, where basically saying, okay, if we have a bunch of websites linking to this resource, then probably we should get higher ranking than the one that has none, right? Yep. And it just worked wonders. It started you know, cutting out a lot of the junk, a lot of the crappy pieces of content that were just keyword stuff. Then people liked it. People liked it. They're like, this is great. I actually can get my answer without having to, you know, swift through a bunch of different junky search results. So <laughs> then what happened after, very shortly after, is that people started abusing that too, right? They started uh, doing these comment link building where they would go, go comment on the websites and link back to their own site so that the link would count towards yeah. that. <laughs> Or, or on Facebook and LinkedIn, they would post like user-generated content. They would post like a thousand posts on Facebook and, and then Google would look at this and like, oh, Facebook referenced them 10,000 times. This is great. They must do very well. And so then Google is like, okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> change again. <laughs> yeah, so they introduced what we call link tags. So then they introduced the concept of no follow links and do follow links. And they're like, okay, anything that's user generated, like blog comments, Facebook, social media channels, anything that's uh, user generated content is a no follow link. So it has no value for SEO. Only links that are actually from, you know, editorial posts, like stuff that is not user generated, it's actually created by another webmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, these actually have SEO value. And then again, cut a lot of junk out and then. Now, over the years, they keep releasing new algorithms, new tags, new ways of identifying okay, what's actually natural and what's not. Mm-hmm. So the process of getting backlinks isn't just a matter of, okay, how can I get as many websites linking back to my website as, as possible? That's not how it works. Just because they understand this a lot better than you and I do. Now, exactly how? Nobody knows. It is a black box. But what we've noticed and experienced over the years, uh, obviously a good amount of trial and error, has been a matter of relevance and quality of these backlinks. So for example, let me let me walk you through an example so it all makes sense. So say you put together a piece of content about, give me, give me a keyword, Chris. Let me, let me work with you. Give um, me a keyword here. Yeah, podcast. Okay, for example, how to start a podcast. Yeah. Okay, so you put together a post you do some research, you you go through my process, you find this keyword, like how to start a podcast is a topic that I want to start writing about. And obviously, it's a how-to guide. So there's a bunch of you know screenshots and, and different ways and different equipment you need, different uh, you know platforms you can use to host your podcast, etc. And then once you put together this piece of content, you're like, okay, great, I'll put this on my website. It's crickets. What are we going to do? So ideally, what we want to do is to there's a variety of different ways you can do some prospecting to find good opportunities for your blog posts, one of which is by identifying other blog posts on other relevant authoritative sources in your space that have written a piece of content that's not directly competing with yours, but they happen to mention starting a podcast somewhere in there. For example, they're talking about, hey, what are the best marketing strategies for 2022? And it listed like 30 different strategies, one of which is starting a podcast. So like, yeah, you should start a podcast. 40% of people start a podcast 
and and uh, or excuse me, forty percent of people in the United States listen to podcasts regularly, and you should definitely consider it. And that's it. That's all they cover because the main topic of the page is different than how to start a podcast, right? They're talking about marketing strategies. But guess what? Chris has got a really good guide. Again, you have to remember, you can't get around creating quality content. <laughs> so none of these hacks, none of these are hacks. You need to do your research. You need to put in the resource to create a quality piece of content. Now, if you don't have the resources for it, just don't produce as much piece of pieces of content. Just produce one really good piece of content every month. I think we can all agree that most businesses can do that and spend the rest of the time promoting. Now, Ideally, say, for example, I got a blog post about how, or, or let me reverse, the, uh, let's say that guy's name is Jonathan, so I'm, 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 guiding the, I'm guiding you through the process. So what you want to do, Chris, is to reach out to Jonathan, who has that post on, for example, uh, HubSpot or some other good, good marketing blog. So you want to reach out to Jonathan, who's the writer, or if there's a content manager at that publication, reach out to Jonathan and say, hey, Jonathan, came across your post and noticed you guys are talking about best marketing strategies for 22. My favorite strategy was building a newsletter. That's actually how we require most of our customers on AppSumo. And by the way, I noticed that you talked about starting a podcast and um, and uh, but didn't really dive deep into that topic. I'm sure a lot of your readers would be interested in learning how to start a podcast if they choose to. And I happen to put together a really a comprehensive guide covering that topic. And I think it would make a really nice addition to your post. And if you were kind to give me a mention here, I'm more than happy to do X, Y, and Z for you. Now, there's a level of incentive. And that incentive is anything that's not cash. So I normally recommend just sticking with your guns and doing whatever you can, whatever you have in your, in your inventory, right? So for you, for example, in your case, I would say I'm happy to actually invite you to come on to the show and, and be a guest on my show and talk about X, Y, and Z, whatever topic they're expert of, and, and be somewhat a bit advertising to my audience, right? So yes. introducing your company to my audience. So there's something in it for them. There's something in it for you. But they wouldn't do that if you don't have quality content yet. See, yeah. we keep coming back to this. So you can't yeah. do, you can't. See, they're not mutually exclusive. They're all overlapping each other. So that's one strategy. Now, again, that's when that's done, now, Jonathan is your buddy because you already have a relation with this guy. Again, you also have to consider that once you reach out to 100 opportunities, you're probably going to hear back from, you know, we normally get about 20%. So it's like you hear back from 20 of them. You end up collaborating with 10. Like, okay, well, 10 out of 100 people, that's, that's quite low. So that's yeah. why you got to make sure you nurture those relationships. So now I tell Jonathan, and for example, I mean, this is, again, just throwing examples. It's not down to the T exactly <laughs> what we do. Yeah. Let's say Jonathan has a uh, website. What website did we talk about? Uh, let's say HubSpot. HubSpot. Okay, great. HubSpot is probably super big fish. Let's let's uh, pick a smaller website so it would make sense. Like even even Visme. Let's say on Visme, right? Um, so for example, say, all right, Jonathan, thank you so much for you know mentioning our article on your post. This is great. By the way, what we do then is to grab, for example, Visme's or whatever the website is and yeah. run it through Ahrefs or ICMRs, these SEO tools. And it normally gives us their, a list of their competitors. So you're like, okay, Bizme, for example, competes with this and that website A and website B company, right? Um, we actually just collaborated with a website called um, Tidio, which, uh, which is a live chat uh, software, right? So for example, they're 
competitors are live chat and intercom, right? Let's put it this yeah. way. So actually, yeah, let's use that as an example. So then we, we use this tools like HRS or ICMRush, and they tell us the keywords that their competitors are ranking for, but they aren't. This is what we call a content gap analysis. Okay. It's a very simple technique. So we just say, okay, HRS, what are some of the keywords that both intercom and live chat are ranking for, but Tidio isn't? And for example, one of which is podcast marketing or, or SaaS marketing, right? Hmm. That's the target keyword. So I t we take a screenshot and then we send it to Jonathan. We're like, Jonathan, thank you so much for referencing an article. By the way, mm. let's dip around HRS. Notice you guys, you're both of your competitors, LiveJet and Intercom, are both ranking for the keyword SaaS marketing, but you guys aren't. And I happen to actually be working at a SaaS company and have a writer in-house who's an expert and would love to contribute a comprehensive guide covering that keyword for you. What would you say? Yes. 90x percent say yes, because not only the pitch is relevant and targeted, but you also have your foot in the door already because you already collaborated with these guys before. Mm -hmm. See, so it's a lot more, it's a, it's a lot different from just spamming the world and just saying, hey, can yeah. I publish a guest? You know what I mean? So then over time, we build a network of partners, we, you know, cross reference mm -hmm. each other's articles. Again, it, it is, it gets quite, uh, you know, extensive over over time uh, the way we start to do things efficiently and now we're bringing about i would say 20 to 25 um, backlinks per team members each team member is bringing about 20 to 25 mentions every single week and uh, this week they just reported one of them a guy who does outreach for a bit responded brought in 24 mentions and all of them are from quality website we have some quality metrics they have to match uh, so they have to have certain level of organic traffic. They have to have a certain domain authority. They have to be relevant to us. They shouldn't be like a cooking blog. They need to be in the marketing space or in the SEO space. And editorial links to a relevant page on our website, right? So what I'm trying to say is that they have to check a lot of boxes. And, yes. And, and it happens over time. But again, I don't mean to scare folks who are listening to think that, okay, this is a ton of work. I don't have, I don't have the resources for it. I don't have the time for it. Um, you can start small. Mm -hmm. And sort of, you know, go from there. You, you can you can sort of iterate as you go, and, and you learn a ton of lessons. And uh, what I'm trying to say is that that's the end game. You don't have to start there. You can just start from baby steps and sort of work, walk, worm your way up there. I think it's important to to mention, like halfway through, you did say, if you could just create one piece of content a month, and really focus on all the things that you talked about, plus. Uh, building those relationships and building quality relationships instead of quantity and then being right. creative with uh oh how can i contribute value to that person on a regular basis so that you can stay in contact with them and then you could ask him for a favor and back and forth so you don't really have to do thousands of pieces of content you just focus on one get good at the, the strategy. I've never heard of that strategy before, so I'm definitely going to, and if anybody else is listening, I'm going to transcribe this episode and make sure we get <laughs> everything Fazad has shared with us today and put it into a bit of a guide and um, hopefully do something with Vizme or Respond after that. <laughs> yeah, but and I'll you be, know, I always... I'll be a little sorry, bit go. creative. <laughs> All right. Creative no, no, I'm, the, the process works 100% of the time. The matter of fact is, if somebody does this to us, 
we would say yes. Like we wouldn't say, oh, you're copying our strategy. No, it doesn't matter because the whole point of the strategy is to how you go build relationships with other people. And a matter of fact is you don't need a lot of fancy tools to get there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I actually don't think Respond is essential to that process, believe it or not. I don't think you need it to do all of these. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> it's something that you could easily do yourself manually. Just do some snooping around online, do some outreach yourself manual, and you learn some lessons. And you're going to hit a point that is hard to scale. And that's sort of where tools like Respondent would help you sort of scale and save time. But it's not essential to doing all this. So don't think, okay, I need to go buy this tool and that and, and piece this together and invest a ton of money. And I'm like, no, no, you don't have to do that. Just it's, a, it's always a matter of dedication of resources for us. Like when we started Respondent, we had a very small team with a very limited budget compared to Visme. So, um, and when Visme started, it was the same scenario, right? So you sort of grow over time. Yeah, but for us was a matter of dedication and resources. Twenty percent of our resources would go to content creation. Eighty percent would go to content promotion, mm, which is yeah. the exact same or exact reverse, I would say, ratio of resources that most companies spend. They normally spend eighty something percent or a hundred percent of the resources right. in content creation. And sort of miss out on the promotion aspect. And again, remembering that promotion isn't to run ads, isn't to you know post it on social media, and it's not just to send it to your newsletter. It's all the other stuff that is more difficult to do that nobody wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> and like that you puts said, at an advantage. Yeah, and you said at the start, right. well, um, it's it's hard, but it's it's worth it at the end. Uh, there's a right. lot of people and. Um, I was under the impression that this would really help me if I got featured on Forbes or a CBN. But you, you just mentioned there about the do follow and that doesn't have any, uh, right. because you get a lot of people I've been featured on Forbes. I've been featured on Yahoo, Yahoo right. finance. Is that really necessary for a, for a startup as this is for startup support? That's um, right. So feature and news channels. So I have some mixed feelings towards it. So, um, doesn't exclude all nofollow links. So if you have been featured on a TechCrunch or on a Forbes, even if it's a nofollow link, I find it very hard to believe that it has no impact on the authority of your website. I actually believe quite the contrary. I think it does help. But the extent to which it helps is over-exaggerated by the SEO community. I don't think it helps. I think it de definitely helps a little bit. It most certainly wouldn't hurt. But it's not that in order to get your traffic up, you need a Forbes backlink. For example, Respana, we have no backlinks from Forbes, no backlinks from TechCrunch, haven't even gone after them, never put out any press. Um, and now we, uh, a little less than two years, then we launched, we launched our web uh, blog and, and our content strategy January of last year. So now it's November 2021, so a little less than two years. And it's getting over, I think, 70-something K monthly organic traffic. That's worth about 100K worth of AdWords that we would have mm -hmm. to spend to bring the same level of traffic through ads, right? So what I'm trying to say is that don't sweat it too much. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> people overcomplicate things, uh, and, and it's just not the case. And with the previous strategy that you mentioned, you can't. I guess uh, I might be overcomplicating it, but I'll just have to keep coming back to this interview and just take the notes. <laughs> but I guess I had a lot of links on my website before, 
but I've realized that was just going out and wasn't coming back. So um, my incentive is to bring guests back on to talk about the ex, talk about their interview, um, for me to do book reviews on my experts. That's right. So there's there's finding ways to incentivize, like you said. Um, in one of the episodes, you spoke about link equity and, you know, you can get equity on your house uh, or release equity. But how how does link, what is link equ- equity? That's right. a mouthful. Uh, and and what's, its, what's its value? That's right. So it, it's just a fancy word for saying some people call link juice. Some people, I, I like to call it link equity. Link juice sounds like some term somebody came up with in kindergarten. Uh, but uh, but link equity is basically saying the amount of value uh, that a link is bringing to your website. So if you have an incoming link from another external website, if that website is authoritative, it's a do follow link, and uh, and the and the amount of authority that, that page has on its own. So the amount of other external backlinks that that or what we call referring domains that that web page has. Mm-hmm. So the amount of I would say authority that it, it's passing on to your website is what I call link equity. So again, it all sort of ties together. You don't have to know all these terms and it's, it's right. very quite simple. It's just creating really valuable resources that people are actively searching for and make sure you get other websites in your space to talk about it and mention it so you get rankings. That's it. Not rocket science, right? <laughs> Doesn't require a PhD. You just have to get out there and do it. It's a lot of people I see in the SEO space. There's this um, guy in my high school. It's like, and I was guilty of it myself. Who's always reading about workouts, like mm-hmm. lifting, and like he had textbooks and like articles printed out. I was like, who prints out articles? Like it's the <laughs> 21st century. Anyhow, this guy would do so much studying on working out, and he never set foot in the gym. I was like. This is point. I <laughs> a lot of people in the SEO space they're always reading about SEO. They're always looking for the next new tactic and strategy and template. Never get anything done. I'm like, why don't you just write one piece and go promote it, and see what happens, and you learn over time. You don't have to start learning all this stuff and read textbooks and go get a college degree to be able to, you know, create yeah. a blog post. You don't need to do that. It's fine. Just just follow a roadmap, and you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. It's okay. Everybody does. Uh, even now, we do a content audit every six months. We delete a lot of the posts that we publish because it gets no traffic and it has no backlinks, it has no value on our website. It's just eating into our crawl budget. And we're like, all right, just, there's no point. Sometimes we even redirect it. If it has some backlinks, it's still getting no traffic. Just redirect it to another hub page, to another blog post and get rid of it. So what I'm trying to say is it's okay to make mistakes, but you're never going to make mistakes or make any progress if you don't take any action. Yes, that's that's so true. And I think that was one thing that prevented me from starting a podcast because, you know, uh, I was very shy on camera. I stuttered a lot. Uh, and I guess I wanted to improve my com- uh, communication, but just read and listened to how can I improve my converse- uh, communication? But until I actually stepped up on camera and started interviewing all these people, my uh, I think it, people would probably agree my stutter has has disappeared i've grown in confidence and that's only because of the action that i took so thank you for being a part of my growth <laughs> of course and and you're doing wonderful you're doing great <laughs> so 
So I do want to mention because this is this is for startups and supporting them and growing if they're an aspiring entrepreneur or at the growth stage or if they they need some tips on marketing and we've we spoke on content marketing what advice for, on anything related to SaaS startup bootstrapping would you give to somebody out there that's listening is it can be about anything i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say something that's not quite relevant to SEO or content and that is um finding a good problem to resolve i see a ton and ton of new startups and products coming out with no clear differentiation than what's already out in the market um normally what i see is like yeah it's calendly but like a dollar a month cheaper or like it's it's like Asana, but like made for the Netherlands. Like, no. <laughs> like, start from your own problems that you're facing. See what's actually a problem that you're willing to pay money for. And if you can't find a solution for it and you have cash in hand willing to pay for it, that means you hit a jackpot. And, and, and it's quite, I think everybody in their life has, has that pain or that issue that they're facing that they can't find a solution for. Vizme was created because Paymon was running an agency and he was creating a ton of content for his client. Mm. And he started developing Vizme as a platform. And again, he was also involved from another site builder that built. So it was like a series of failed products before it ended up with Visme, and it's fine. You know, nobody talks about them because they're not as successful. Visme became a huge success. Now everybody knows about it, but they don't see all the other stuff that went behind behind the scenes. Same goes for Respondent. So we had a problem with Visme, couldn't find a good solution for it. We built it, and guess what? Other people are paying for it. And to our surprise, very, very early on in our journey, people started putting down the credit card. I was like, what? I was like, I don't even have an invoice system set up yet. I was like, oh no. So it, it just hit a, hit a chord and it hit, a, we, I mean, like strike the chord and we're like, all right, this is great. And I mean, now let's start investing more and start developing things. So finding a good problem to solve, I think is going to make your life a heck of a lot easier than just creating just another type of product that just for the sake of building something. I think it's, uh, it's something that often goes missing, uh, especially in the, the entrepreneurship world nowadays. Yeah. So being creative with, with in finding a solution. And uh, I know a lot of the time people say don't reinvent the wheel. So, right. so how, do, how do you overcome that? Then? You know, uh, go work for a startup. And I see also a lot of people who fail in the startup world come from a big company and or um in a, from the agency world or just from not just right out of college and college. Now, yes, we got Mark Zuckerberg who created Facebook at his dorm. Great. But there's one Mark Zuckerberg, right? You can't just look at the outliers and make decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the experience I had at business is invaluable and in just learning all the nuts and bolts of the process of, okay, we need to create this or how do we find a designer? How do we get an engineer? How do we all piece it, piece it all together? How do we do testing? How do we, do marketing? How do we acquire our first customer? How do we acquire our first hundred customer? How do we scale things? How do we do support? How do we do all this stuff? And it's just impossible to learn from just listening to other people doing podcasts. It's something you got to sort of yeah. roll up your sleeves and, and do the work. And it's quite a different process from when you're working at a big company because you're highly specialized in one role and you're like 
doing one thing every day. And it is just not the case at, at, in startup world. Like in Respana, one day I'm a designer. Another day I'm an engineer. So I'm, I'm a customer support, sales, uh, you name it. I've done it. Like <laughs> pretty much any aspect of the business I've uh, got in my hands dirty. Um, and just knowing how to hire good talent and how to you know, lead people, how to motivate them and how to you know, make sure you have a clear path for the company moving forward especially with limited resources if you haven't raised a ton of cash. Um, but again, yeah, hopefully that was helpful. No, that was helpful. And uh, because you're bootstrapped, uh, do you have any investors or not? You no, I'll tell you investors. Nope. Still, still no. Self-fund. Nope. I mean, Respond is completely self on Visme even. It's almost, I think Visme was launched in 2013. So yeah, almost like eight, nine years and still bootstrapped. Yeah, wow, that's answer. incredible. That's incredible. Thank so, you. so for any of any of those people, I know you've kind of covered um, some like generic advice. Could you? I know I like to leave people with actionable advice. So, and you've given lots way before, but could you maybe summarize some or simplify them into just three uh, steps that they can take to um, yes. help them on their way? Absolutely. Number one. Go delete every junk page you create on your website. If it's not getting any traffic, has no backlinks, just delete it. Trust me, it's fine. Two, go work or, or follow either a book if you don't have the resources for it or if you know an SEO person who is a, uh, a person well-known in the industry and knows what they're talking about. Work with them and build the right side structure. Start producing content. Three, start promoting that piece of content. Start building backlinks to your website. And again, that's given that SEO is the channel that you want to pursue. If not, then go specialize in some other things. Go specialize in paid ads. Go specialize in outbound. Go specialize in other things. But once you pick a channel, pick it and run with it. Like, don't hesitate. Like, if it's a, uh, uh, if, if SEO is a channel that you think it would be the best way to acquire customers, then great. Then do it right. Then start from step one, follow through. Because otherwise, it's a waste of time and money. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for your time today, Fasad. I did have many more questions for you, but I know you're very busy and I'm sure we'll get another opportunity to speak like this. So thank you again. And uh, my I'll pleasure. Let you go. Absolutely. Actually, before I let you go, how can yes. people get in touch with you? Or yes. Bonnet or Visme? That's probably the most important thing. How can they get in touch with you? That's the easy have, part. What do you have for them? Of course. So Respana, our website is respana.com, R-E-S-P-O-N-A.com. And Visme is V-I-S-M-E.com or .co. And uh, and yeah, so you can learn about your products. Take a look. Again, Visme is a free product, so everybody can go sign up. Respana, don't go sign up for it right away. Go do some outreach yourself. Do some you know, content writing and, and fix stuff on your site. And then, then once you're ready, then we're ready for you. And and I stick out like a sore thumb normally on social media because my name is Farzad Rashidi. There's not a whole lot of them out there. Uh, so there are a little Farzads, a little Farzads. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Farzad Rashidi on LinkedIn. And that's normally the best way to find me. Awesome. Thank you again. And thanks for reaching out to wanting to be on the podcast. That's even better. Of course. I didn't have to, I didn't have to find you. You found me. So <laughs> thank you again. And um, Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and have a splendid weekend. Thank you. Do the same thing. Bye.
And that's a wrap. Thank you, Farzad Rashidi, for joining us this week on Talking With Experts podcast. Your level of expertise is out of this world. And on behalf of everyone who listened today, thank you for spending the time with us to help the next generation of bootstrap startups and content creators succeed. Some of the main things Farzad touched on is that if you are a bootstrapped, you will have a limited amount of resources. So he said to focus on creating one piece of high quality content a month. Start establishing great connections with people and companies within your niche or um, that are indirect competitors to you and uh, can help you succeed online. Do a lot of research too. He specifically mentioned AppSumo. So if you have a SaaS company and you want to get initial user feedback, then you can either contact me as I work there or go to appsumo.com to find more. You can also use hrefs to find keywords that have low competitiveness, a high search value, and high commercial intent. hrefs is spelled A-H-R-E-F-S, and you can find all those metrics inside. And also find out what a content gap is. So a content gap, like Farzad explained, is when your competitor or uh, yourself have an area where you're not ranking for that specific long tail keyword or short tail keyword on Google. You can find all those metrics and learn about content gap just by searching on Google what it is. Um, To find out more about Farzad, just go over to LinkedIn, Farzad Rashidi, um, or you can go in the show notes and check all the links there. If you want to know more about Responder, go to responder.com. And if you want to learn more about Visme, go to visme.com. I'll see you next week with another cracking guest.